Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Happy Tuesday, lovely people. Look, it is a special time of year and this is one special podcast for you. Me and Ellie have got Jolene Park on the show. If it wasn't for Jolene, this podcast wouldn't even be happening. It was on Jolene's coach training just over a year ago that me and Ellie met and uh, it was such a wonderful experience and such a, a wonderful place to not just learn about the somatic and the kind of body elements and the nutrition piece behind Um, going alcohol free which is often missed like there's a lot of attention given to the kind of mind aspect and the psychological aspects of uh, of moving away from from alcohol but the body piece is often missed and that's Jolene's kind of uh sweet spot and she speaks about it so brilliantly and she makes really complicated things really simple um, and easy to understand which is which is a real gift um so yeah you know we're we're so grateful for this it's really weird to think that this this wouldn't even exist if uh, if we hadn't met on jolene's training so yeah tune in we give a nice little intro to jolene and she's going to reference loads and loads of cool ref- resources along the way and yeah be sure to check out the show notes for loads of cool stuff that you can check out as well So I hope as the nights are drawing in, you're having um, a lovely, cosy time and we're all about that and we talk a lot about how to look after yourself at this time of year. So see you uh, you on the podcast. Hi and welcome to the Present and Sober podcast. We've got a really super special episode today as part of this series of our most influential and inspirational teachers we have the wonderful Jolene Park with us today. Hi, Jolene. Hi, Ellie. Nice to know. I'm excited so to good. be with you all. This is a real, like, uh, it's so nice. It's like being home again. So we were just talking about yeah. how it's been a, like a year, really, and how much can ch- change in a year since we trained with you. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those weird personal moments of I remember watching um, you, Jolene, on uh, when you did your TED Talks. I remember watching the video when I was probably very early in my training as a, as a coach and seeing this phenomenal Ted talk, which we'll drop a link to about gray area drinking and was just, you know, blown away by the whole thing. And so it's a little bit weird to (laughs) be in this situation where this celebrity is in front of us, but um, it's just wonderful to have you here. I mean, we, as our listeners know, we both trained, with uh, with you, Jolene, when um, uh, got, well, we were just saying just over a year ago. So that's actually how Sam and I met. So it's it's just wonderful to be able to do this sort of thing and it to all yeah. come full circle. This wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you, Jolene. How cool is that? <laughs> that's so cool. I, I, I love the full circle, and I love that we're doing this literally like it's been a year. Um, I think we finished up the training this week one year ago. Yeah, and not planned either. Isn't like, no. you know, that wasn't intentional. How creepy is that? I love it. Well, creepy is the wrong word. It's lovely. <laughs> it's How lovely, lovely is Sam. that? Spooky in the sense of, you know what I meant. You know what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay, so, we, so we've got so much to talk about in this episode. And it's going to be, I think, two things. It's going to be really informative. And it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of 
broadening of understanding, lots of things to, to learn and pick up in terms of this, the specifics around mind and body. So we talk in this podcast a lot about the, the cognitive practices are important, but equally as important are the somatic practices. So there'll be a lot of things to learn and educational elements in that but also this is going to be highly practical and tactical lots of different resources and things to try so get your notebooks out and your pens because there's going to be heaps of uh, heaps of stuff to take away and to try out so we're just thrilled to have Jolene here because she's just a wealth of all sorts of information and knowledge so it's super exciting so Jolene where's the best place to start so one of the things that um Oh, the, the area I'd like to start on is this whole point about why working with the mind is not enough. So where, where would you like to start within that? Well, I, I love that, that entryway um, because it's where the neuroscience is. It's, it's where, you know, the current kind of up-to-date, what we know about the physiology. Um, so traditionally, historically, we have look to the mind, that if we just change our mindset and think positive and, and will ourselves mentally, then, you know, how we're, we're feeling will shift. But what we know with more of the current neuroscience really in the last decade is that it's actually the opposite. And so, um, well, like Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score, uh, Dr. Gaber Mate, they'll speak about this concept of bottom up, not top down. And so what they mean by that is bottom being the body moving then up to the mind, not the mind moving down to the body. So the nervous system is throughout the whole body, not just up here, you know, in our brain. And, um, and that is how, you know, when we respond, when we're under stress, um, the body responds. So like, if you throw a ball to me, Ellie, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, my hands are going to go up. There's going to be kind of that, that reflex. I'm going to catch it. There's no conscious thought of a ball is coming, lift my hands, put my hands mm. on the, it just happens. So it's a body response. And then I can think about it and put meaning to it and talk about that. You just threw a ball to me secondarily mm-hmm. um, with my mind, but primarily it's the body. And so when we talk about alcohol and cravings and, and stress and, and um, triggers, it's first the body that has that first impulse that acts first. And then, like I said, we put story meaning, um, you know, feeling behind it through, through our conscious minds. So that's the neuroscience. And it's been the missing piece with this alcohol conversation because we've stayed a little bit, I mean, it, much more is moving. People are, you know, we're learning this now. But in the past years, it's always been, we work with kind of the, the cognition. But we know now that working with the body is really what changes mm-hmm. long-term patterns and, um, and sets us up for success long-term. Mm. And I think the, the, the interesting thing within the conversation about alcohol is you can so easily see where somebody has uh, a, a need to, to numb with alcohol. You can change your beliefs about the substance. And so you might not reach for alcohol, but if you don't, what I see in my own coaching practices, if you don't deal with the underlying stuff, and a lot of that is to do with the body, then you're going to reach for something else. You know, we want to feel a certain kind of way. So we reach for things external to us. So 
you can deal with your, and it is important to deal with your beliefs about the substance, whether it's alcohol or something else, but you can't do that in isolation. You have to deal with both elements. Absolutely. And I know that just even for myself and my own experience, because a big part of my story is anxiety. I was a very anxious kid and, and the anxiety has shifted and, and changed over the years, but um, and more it's, you know, early on, I had out and out just physical, I felt physically anxious. You know, my heart was, was revving. I felt nauseous. Like it was a real physical experience of anxiety that has shifted over the years. And now it's more of kind of this, it's the overthinking the OCD worrying, which is still a form of anxiety, but with both of those forms that, you know, generalized anxiety, um, telling myself to think differently. I know from experience doesn't help, but mm -hmm. my experience of what has actually helped and, and where it started for me experientially before I even started studying nutrition, which I wish I would have known as a, you know, a young teen was blood sugar control because I would be so anxious that I wouldn't eat. I felt so nauseous and I didn't want to eat because I was afraid that I'd throw mm -hmm. up. Well, my blood sugar was just, you know, all over the place. So no wonder I was feeling so nauseous. Once I started learning physically, um, how to regulate my blood sugar starting there. And that's where a lot of people, it, it's a really good entry point with the nutrition, but I had that physical experience. And then I, it's like, that was a 180 when, mm. you know, I changed my blood sugar. It started to change that body feeling. And then these other practices, I've also had really experiential results that when I do some breath work, some different techniques, it changes um, that ruminating mind, it changes the pounding heart. Yeah. It versus saying, don't be anxious or doing yeah. like a cognitive approach, it changes nothing for me. So I had that real profound experience myself. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I want to tell everyone about this yeah. because the cognitive wasn't working, but the physiological started to work and, and really, really, you know, personally it started to help me. It's, um, I think so many of us have had that experience where, you know, the thought is like the, the, the thinking is in our head, the kind of might be the addictive voice or whatever it is that is coming from the emotional center, the limbic system. And then we sort of enter it logically. We're like, right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to solve this at the same level. So we end up in this internal dialogue. And, you know, Jolene, when we were, you talk about kind of like the elephant that's there and it's like, and in the end, when it says, I want to go that way, it's just like, and we're going that way. Mm -hmm. So you get trampled when, if you can learn to drop into your body and breathe, it's powerful that you can kind of, um, it always makes me think of Einstein, you know, you can't solve a problem on the level which it was created. So like you, you meet it somewhere differently. You meet it in your body with a bit of breath work. You tell your body I'm calm. And with just a little bit of like balanced breathing or, or whatever it might be really quickly, um, you can calm yourself down. And it's kind of, we have to learn this stuff because it's not always intuitive. The intuitive thing is to just try and talk ourselves out of it, but we just end up like a dog chasing its tail, chasing its tail. And it just gets worse so often in, in my experience anyway. Yeah. And this is then where the two come together because it's not that, you know, language is very important. So sound vibration is very important. It's part of calming the nervous system. So first and foremost, sometimes it's not even the words, it's just mm -hmm. the tone, the sound, the, uh, the rhythm, you know, of, of the voice can be calming to the nervous system, but, but words are powerful where we feel like, you know, okay, you are safe. Um, and like anything after I am is powerful. So I am safe. Um, you know, I am, 
I, I'm okay in this moment. That's powerful. That, that cognitive piece is powerful. But in conjunction with, we calm the body a little, you know, first, mm -hmm. and then put the words in secondarily. Because when we're in a flea response, or we're um, immobilized because the, you know, the stress is so high, we've just kind of shut everything down. In either one of those responses, we can't hear the language. So it's not to discard the cognitive side, but we want to do body first, and then we can start to work with, with the mind. That's how that becomes much more powerful. And it's the same with meditation, because often people um, have a hard time meditating, and it makes sense, because when we're in a flea response or in a, a um, we talk about it's the home away from home. You know, it's, it's more comfortable for people to kind of always operate in a fight response or a flee response or in that immobilized response. So it's, the, it's their comfortable home away from home. And when they're in that home, we can't hear, hear the language. So we want to come up to more of a, a regulated nervous system space, and then we can hear the supportive healing language. Mm. You just made me think about my kids there. So <laughs> when the kids are, when they've literally flipped their lid and you, you know, you can't, you can't. So this morning, um, my daughter had this sticker that came from the dentist and she wanted to wear it on her school uniform and she got and put it down somewhere else and it had lost its sticky. And she, you know, she completely lost it and she was screaming and crying and inconsolable. And if I'd have tried to go and explain to her, you know, why, why the loss of the sticky had happened and, you know, how we might repair that. She's not interested because, well, she, she literally would not be able to hear me. You know, it's been so helpful, not, not only the training with you for my coaching business, but, you know, just like at that, that level with the kids to be able to help them learn how to get themselves through those situations. And this is something that is coming up more and more in my coaching practice where I'm coaching women just like me that have young kids. And we haven't, like, I don't remember anybody teaching me how to regulate my nervous system as a kid. And so to be able to learn how to do that effectively and teach your children how to do that so that they can carry that through into their own adulthood, I just think is so bloody valuable. Um, so I'm, I'm massively thankful for, for that, not, not just for myself and being able to ease these moments on a, on a morning, try to get everybody ready for school. And you've got this, you know, serious situation about the sticker, but you know, honestly, you've got this coming one day, Sam, oh, but it's, you know, sure. it, it, it's, I have to soothe her, just be with her and, you know, and, and each of the kids are different as well. So something that will work for my eldest daughter will not work for my son. And there's a real trial and error with trying to find the things that work for them, whether it's to do with sound or touch or like my, my eldest actually is, she's really into uh, scent and smell. And so I bought one of these, um, you know, the diffusers, you fill it with water, a few drops of oil, mm -hmm. and then it emits this mist. Well, she's just obsessed with it because she gets to choose the scent that she wants. It really calms her down on an evening. It's wonderful. And then there's kind of the, not just the, the smell, but the, 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 the visionary aspect of being able to watch this mist billowing. So, you know, what I was thinking about earlier was some of these practices are just so simple. I think sometimes with my clients, it feels like a barrier because it's almost like this is too simple. And there's a kind of this reluctance to believe because it's too simple. 
But my own perspective on that is I think we've just lost all this over the years. It's, you know, it was inherent and we just seem to have lost it. I often say like if you back in the day, 12,000 years ago, if you saw a tiger, you'd go through a very natural series of events, which would be the primal scream, like the lie on the floor and like, oh, my God, thank God I'm alive. You'd look at the stars, you'd be connected to nature. You'd but on the way home, you'd probably sprint a bit to get your energy out. You'd get back to the campfire. You'd eat some food. You'd make it a myth and a story and and tell and kind of like have a therapy session. Um, and then you'd get a bloody good night's sleep. We have like 5,000 tigers a day and we don't do any of that shit. <laughs> so it's kind of just builds up in our body, right? And we're just carrying it with us all the time. So I hear you on that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And, um, you know, kids and animals are, are such a, a good literal kind of visual mm. example because that is what's happening in our body, that inconsolable, just, you know, emotion we keep it buttoned up, like you say, Sam, kind of as adults, but that that energy is still, you know, moving through the body and that doesn't feel good. And so of course it makes sense that we reach then to alcohol or sugar or behaviors, constant scrolling to try to suppress and kind of regulate all of that charged energy. And then, you know, with kids, it it's, makes total sense when, when a small child is in that emotional state, trying to explain the sticky, you know, the sticky component on the back of a sticker. Like it's just that it, it doesn't help anything. It makes it worse, mm -hmm. but the nervous system is so amped up. It's what works is finding that customized piece for her. Is it something visual? Is it a scent? Is it touch um, going back to the basics, but the nervous system knows and it mm -hmm. doesn't take much, but the nervous system knows kind of what that match is for it to return back to that home base place. Mm. Nothing's off, um, like nothing's uh, out of reach for a kid in the sense that they're so connected to their sensory experience that they'll just do that thing. But as adults, it's kind of like, oh, well, I can't put my hands in the sandpit. That's silly. And it's like, well, actually, like if we do, sometimes if we just do that thing that seems right to us, it can, it can heal us really, really quickly. Um, and kids have got so much less past and future in their life as well. Like adults, we keep the story going very often. Um, so you can see with a child, they, Ellie, they can be in that moment of like, oh, I want the ice cream. And, and like, they're very like in the high energy. And then almost really soon after it's gone and they're in a different state because they've like, they're in the sandpit and they're like somewhere else completely. So we can, as you say, Jillian, we can learn so much from that. Just watching, you know, kids and animals in particular who, and you know, animals with no past and future living constantly in the now, right? It's such a, an amazing, like learning observation. Yeah. And that's an important um, learning point with this too, because it, it's not about not going into that emotional space. We all do, we're human. And so we're all gonna have fight responses or flee responses or feeling immobilized throughout the day. You know, there's, there's different things that, so we're always kind of fluctuating through that. So the point here is not to, you know, to get to this Zen place where we never go into like a fight stress response. That's not the point. The point is recognizing when noticing that and then being able to resource ourselves quickly out of it. So like you say, Sam, we're not just replaying it over and over for days or maybe even years, but having mm -hmm. the resource to pull ourselves up like animals and kids innately do. And then as we get older, we start to kind of lose those, those tactics and, and mechanisms. And, and that's what I feel is the, uh, you know, a huge missing piece of 
of course people, when we don't have a regulating resource, of course so many people then reach to alcohol as a regulating resource. It's just like, of course, you know, mm -hmm. no shame. It just, it makes sense when you, when we understand the physiology and, and what the body, the body's always trying to keep us in this balanced kind of homeostatic state. Mm, absolutely. And so thinking about how we kind of get into our bodies. So Sam was talking about children who kind of they're in it and intuitively it's there. And as, as grown ups as adults, we seem to have, like, I certainly remember feeling very disconnected from myself. Uh, I, I remember going through a period, like, just like you were describing Jolly, and I always considered myself as an anxious person. And I went through some cognitive behavioral therapy, which was phenomenal. And it got me to a point, but there was, there was something missing. And fortunately for me, my entry point to starting to uh, get that connection with my body was through restorative yoga. And, but for that, I don't know what I'd have done, actually. I don't know how I would have found that connection with myself because it was, um, it was just such a, a helpful practice to be able to get used to feeling and understanding what was going on within myself, um, if I'm making some sense. So I think it would be helpful for people that uh, perhaps early on in all of this, what, what's a good way to start to understand what's going on within ourselves? It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a big extravagant practice. It literally can be right now as you're listening, whether you're sitting or standing or walking, just noticing, bringing your attention, you know, to your legs, to your arms, your shoulders, and notice, just notice, is there any clenching in any of those areas? Notice if there's some tingling or temperature shift, like maybe, you know, the tops of your feet might feel a little cool, but the bottom might feel a little sweaty or, you know, it's just, it's not right or wrong. It's just noticing. And when, and just when you bring your mental attention to your legs, to your arms, to your body, what feels good right now? And it's like, oh, you know, the top of my legs feel good. They're not clenched. Um, there's some kind of some warmth, you know, they, they feel. And so it's just noticing your body right here, right now. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Um, you guys know that, that a, a kind of a, a technique that, that I teach early on is the grounding technique. Yeah. And so that can help sometimes with our mental energy tune into our body of just feeling the ground under our feet. And so it's the same thing, you know, both feet on, on the ground, if you're sitting or standing, shoes on or off, it doesn't matter, but just notice the surface. Like right now there's hardwood, I'm, I'm, I'm on a hardwood floor. So, and I have shoes on, but I can just notice as I'm talking to you, that surface of the hardwood. I mean, it has a texture to it. It has a sensation, hardwood. And, you know, I've also stood as everyone on grass before or sand. And so that surface and texture feels different than hardwood. So just bringing, you know, your attention to the ground that's underneath you right now, wherever you are, maybe it's the floorboard, maybe you're driving in your car, put your foot on the floorboard and notice the ground. And when we can bring our attention 
to the texture, to the surface of whatever ground is under our feet right here, right now. And then just kind of imagine an anchor dropping through your feet deep into the ground that holds you there, got you. Like even if you wanted to move your feet, it would be, it's kind of like they're super glue. So it'd be kind of hard even if you wanted to move, just imagining. And when we when I do that and cue people through that of just cueing, noticing the ground, that then starts to um, ground the body, which can relax the muscles and kind of, you know, if there's any clenching, often we can release that. And then it can sometimes be a little easier. Okay, now I can bring my attention to my legs, my arms, my neck. What am I noticing? Am I clenched? Is there tingling? So if it's hard at first just to notice your body, that can sound a little like, woo, that sounds good, but how do you do it? Bring your attention to the ground. And when your body feels grounded, it's easier than to notice what's happening in your body mm. at any time. Mm. And what would you say to somebody, Jolene, that's in, like in a moment or not in the moment, but we all have these moments of dysregulation where um, like this, my, my daughter with the sticker this morning. And so cultivating awareness, I think, is important so that we can then uh, choose to attend to ourselves in a different sort of way. Have you got any top tips on how to how to try and get to ourselves before we um, are too, you know, too far down the road or we, be, we start to flip our own lid? Yeah, so that's the key is practicing this before we're in a flipped lid state. Mm -hmm. And have, have you, you guys have talked about the flipped lid. Does the audience know kind of what you mean by... I, I, I don't think we've uh, not in those words. I don't think so I can, I'll just go through it really quickly. So the, ideally to your question, Ellie is, is we want to kind of practice and notice what feels good and what can be soothing before we're in a totally activated state. So this flipping the lid with uh, my hand being the model here. So down here at my wrist would be the brainstem, my thumb and the brainstem being the animal um, reactive part of our brain my thumb being the limbic brain, which is the emotional brain. And then when I close my fingers over, this is the prefrontal cortex, the logical brain. So when we're talking about this bottom up, top down approach, we've historically been talking about, let's work with the prefrontal cortex. Let's work with the logic and, you know, logically I should think this way or shouldn't do whatever. But the problem is, is that when we're stressed, the logic, we flip our lid. And so the logic is completely offline, <laughs> not, not in kind of the ideal kind of contained place. So what's running the show then is the limbic brain, the emotional brain. And when we're really activated, it's this animal brain. So we want to come back into this kind of contained state where there's this at a home base. But if we're running around like this, it's then hard to, you know, be like, okay, calm down. So ideally when we're in this state, when everything is kind of in this contained homeostatic and you know calm and content right now that's the easier place then to practice some of this so um and going back to the senses which we've we've kind of alluded to a couple minutes ago um is it touch so literally putting your hands in grass or in dirt um ellie you were saying how your daughter likes different scents mm -hmm. um it can be sound and one thing that did i talk about the vu breath the voo breath in your training Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't remember that. So this is this is a new thing that I, I've um, come across in the last couple of months. So Peter Levine 
talks about um, the VU breath. So we know with the polyvagal nerve, so when we go back into kind of this split state, the polyvagal nerve is right here at the bottom of our cranium, and it's these nerves that go down into the gut and into you know, the pelvis. And so there's different things that tone and calm that nerve, that tone the animal part of the reactive brain. And one is vibration and sound. And so Peter Levine specifically recommends it's VOO in kind of a low tone. It sounds like a foghorn. So it's like, and um, I, I will drive around in my car doing kind of this low foghorn voo and I feel dramatically different. Like there's just this calm and kind of warmth that moves through my body. Um, but it's the vibration because it's working on that animal brain and it's just, it's calming. And Peter Levine did a, um, I can send you guys the video during COVID, he was working with healthcare practitioners and after long shifts and they were really stressed, there was a lot of unknown early on about COVID and he had them do the VU breath and it really discharged and regulated. So the long point with that is it's sound. So sometimes it's listening to other sounds. People might have favorite music they like, um, but you can also make your own sound with chanting and, and things and vibration. So the VU breath for me is something that I've recently um, really uh, you know, resonated with. And, and like you alluded to as well, Ellie, different things resonate and are, are biochemical matches for different people. So Ellie, you, know, you might try the VU breath and be like, eh, didn't really, didn't really get it. Whereas I do it and it's, it's profound. I love doing it. Like I look forward to getting in the car and doing the boot because it, it very quickly within five or 10 minutes really changes my physical state. So yeah. senses, sound, touch, taste, um, smell. What am I forgetting? Oh, visual, a visual mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. um, or those are all really helpful for regulation. And it's really worth just picking these things up and having a go because like the like arm in is like the seed syllable, like the ancient sound and like it moves through your chakras. So like it moves through the body and, you know, and like sound healing, like people may have noticed I've always got my bowl behind me. Um, investing in a, in a really beautifully made sound healing bowl can be so they, they ring, they sing for like two or three minutes. They're, they're incredible. Um, and the didgeridoo, like there's something about that for me, which is I used to be obsessed with the guitar when I was a teenager. It was like teenage angst. Yeah, I want to play the guitar. And like it would it would definitely regulate my um, my central nervous system, though. But now playing the didgeridoo for 10 minutes, it, so, it puts you almost in like in a trance state. It's meditative. And like the breathe, that kind of circular breathing for that long is like it's really crazy. It's really crazy. The effect it can have, like it can really make you feel. I don't know. It's primal. It's, it makes you feel really high in, in a really natural way. And, and it calms you down at the same time. It's kind of like adaptogenic. Like if you, if you need to pick me up, it'll pick you up. If you need to like, you know, downregulate or downregulate, those things are magical. They sound like, Oh, they sound, but it's so true. And, and for different people, different instruments, different things. And that's awesome. It's yeah. A, a lot of toes described it doing the voo, getting in the car, yeah. doing the voo. And it, the, but these things do work. They really do. And mm. it's it's just finding the right things. So that like that example is akin to you know me me in my Jiva Mukti class chanting, and it and and it can change your state. It can have such a profound effect on you. It's so wonderful, and. Yeah, like I, I, earlier on this week, um, I was driving the littlest one around and she was a little sullen in the back of the car and I was trying to make her laugh. 
And I, I can't remember what the sound was, but I effectively did the voo with a different sound. And I was just doing that. I was trying to make this sound for as long as I could, like looking in the mirror, trying to make a laugh. But it's, it's interesting, like just, you know, instinctively you will go to things and intuitively you'll do things, but then noticing, this is the big thing, noticing the effect that it has on you. Because that experience, like you, you can imagine being in the car with kids is often quite stressful. And particularly if they're sat in the back in a bad mood. But if I can get her laughing by doing some kind of my own interpretation of the voo, and it also makes me feel good, then it's a better day for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, and she's making her own sound through through the laughter. Mm-hmm. And and I would argue, I you know, I know there's been stuff written about this too, but but there's certainly this this argument for humans today in, in our modern culture. Um, you know, humans long ago, like our DNA still has memory of having our feet on the earth, using our voice, um, singing, chanting, and moving like kind of a static dance, which we don't do. We're so, you know, kind of buttoned up uh, professional adults and our, our cellular memory needs those pieces. You know, long ago, thousands of years ago, trauma happened. Um, you know, it was, it was hard life, arguably. Um, but there was some innate ways that they would discharge grief and processing. And it was, it was the primal screaming. It was using the mm. voice. It was mm. shaking and, and moving the body with the feet on the earth. And, you know, that's the other thing too, is when was the last time, um, you know, many of us can go months without bare feet on the earth. And I think, you know, there's really something to that too. There's, there's an electrical electron charge by just getting your feet on grass and dirt. So it is the basics, which sometimes can sound like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the, I want the shiny, you know, fancy thing. But the problem is we're so removed physiologically from the basics that the body's just really, you know, hungry, hungry for these components to be put back in. And some of it's even stigmatized. You know, like the sleep thing, you know, if you sleep too much, you're lazy, kind of like the whole like, you're, you're going to go outside in the grass with, you know, socks on and just walk around like, yeah, because that's going to help kind of thing. But like, do it, <laughs> like check in with yourself because it, it really does. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying any of these things are the end all be all like for, of course, people carry trauma there, you know, everyone has, has some, some deep stories. So I'm not saying the answer is you need to go stand on the grass. Mm. Um, but from just kind of a stabilizing, regulating, bringing back in, you know, what has been malnourished, none of it's going to hurt. And these missing pieces are huge and they can be very, very supportive in then doing, uh, you know, deeper, deeper work that needs to be done. But first we need that foundation that's, that's just been, been missing. You spoke about building a web, Jolene, I remember. And, you know, the whole thing is like, if for whatever reason, you know, you've got these, the, the tapestry of these amazing sensory things that you do, you're like 10 things that you like to do to check in with yourself. And one of them is just like, just not working one day or not available to you because you're in a hotel and you're away and you're traveling, but you've got other things, you know, like it's okay because the, you're being held up by all these other things that you do. Um, I loved that image when you painted it and I use it a lot with my clients. And I think it's like, it's, I think other people call it habit stacking. Some other, you know, you know, there's all these different names for it ultimately, but it's, it's like building a, like a network that supports you. That's, that's just available to you. And the more you get to use it, the more you get to learn what's useful in certain scenarios and certain situations. 
And then there's this like insight learning as well, where you learn it's okay. Like your states are in flux and they will, you know, we will enter fight or flight and we will then enter like, you know, rest and digest. And sometimes just the knowledge of knowing, okay, <laughs> my, my, my uh, lid is flipped and I'm like on one right now, but like, I'm not going to make any decisions right now. I'm going to go for a walk um, can be really powerful because actually a lot of people, the damage that like we do a lot of damage when we make decisions in states like that, or we, you know, because we do things that we wouldn't normally, you know, normally do. Right. Yeah. And what you're speaking to Sam is, is this bigger web and you know, the, the image is a spider's web. Mm. And so if the spider is kind of weaving and hanging on one thread, if that thread in the web drops, the spider's not going to drop. It has the whole web to, to hook onto. And so this is then the bigger kind of comprehensive piece too, that um, stretches, you know, beyond this conversation of that web can be relationships, community. Um, it can, you know, be a spiritual uh, piece of things. It can be the nutrition piece so that we're not just hanging on that one thing of like, okay, standing in the grass, that's one thread. But the bigger piece is who's your community and what do you do for fun and your spiritual connection. It's different for everyone. Um, and, you know, eating. Sometimes people will just hang on that one thread of nutrition. It's needed. But we, you know, we need kind of the big comprehensive nourishment that isn't always food, that isn't always breath work, that isn't always. It's if one thread drops, we're not going to feel like we drop because mm. we have, you know, we have these other pieces holding us. Yes, for so many people, that one thread is alcohol. And the key is to, if you take that one thing away, is then to introduce, you know, you know, a few start small, but like a few really wholesome things that lift you up and over time build your 10 or 15 things that it's like your toolkit, right? Yeah. And as you guys know, you know, with my training and, and a, such a foundational piece of, of my work of how I work with clients and train coaches is this concept of adding things in. So now we take alcohol out that one thread, but now we want to add and really start to weave this web and the, all these threads of all these other things, because if we've, you know, deprivation can't have take away never works mm -hmm. from a behavior psychology standpoint and taking out alcohol when it has been that one connection for so many people for so many things. The focus now is what are these things we can add in that we're not just adding to your to do list. That's not the point. But the point is, when you do them, do you get them an effect? Because when we drink, we get an effect. So when you're with a community of people and different communities work for different people, you know, if there's a spiritual practice, if there's a, um, you know, eating a certain way, if there's a certain relaxation practice, is it OM, is it VU, is it a certain meditation? It's, it's not that it's right or wrong, good or bad. It's about, oh, that's the biochemical match for your physiological mm -hmm. constitution. And it can start to be really fun to explore that and discover what you know what are those pieces for you mm, that's what I'd like to get into now so if uh, assuming that somebody isn't working with a coach how how would you suggest somebody get started to try and test out and find different things that they can experiment with my first recommendation is to think what has what's worked in the past because no one's starting from a total blank slate. And I have that conversation with clients all the time. Um, and often clients will say, oh, I do yoga, I journal, I um, diffuse aromatherapy, and they're listing it off. I'm like, well, that sounds great. Does it help? And they're like, I don't know, I mean, I'm supposed to do it. 
Um, or what do you mean, does it help? It's just like, you know, it's, a, it's the good thing. But then sometimes somebody will say, you know, I'm like, what's helped in the past? Or, or what are you, what did you used to do but haven't done because of time or, or whatever? And then a client might just light up and be like, oh my gosh, I love dancing. Like I used to dance so much. And now that I have kids, I haven't had a chance or I haven't, you see the difference between, um, there's like this, I love, and it, it's not dancing. I'm not saying everybody listening needs to go out and dance, but there's this, they light up and their tone changes. I can, you can hear it when people describe it. It's not what the it is. It's how they're, or, you know, you, the listener are talking about it versus like, I do yoga. I go to the gym. I go, there's no energy in that. There's no lighting up. It's just checking a list. So start there with mm. what lights you up. Have you had an experience in the past? Um, and try to drop the, the should and the good or the, you know, it's just, what is it? Has there been something? Has it been painting? Has there been a certain community? Um, has there been a practice? Has there been a technique? Maybe, you know, worked with a therapist in the past and there was a technique, but then it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Or so start there with, with what has worked because the body gives us very direct feedback of it lights us up. It's kind of a green light, you know, go forward versus like, yeah, didn't really notice anything. Or it's like, Ooh, I didn't like that. So think back of, of what worked would be the first place that I would start. Mm, I love that. And this, this is, this is the, the, the point at which you say, well, I'm back to gymnastics. Cause I, like, if I look back at what I used to do as a kid, it was gymnastics. And I thought, Oh no, I can't be doing that. Cause I, this is the whole should and could I, can't be doing that because I'm, you know, now in my forties. Well, yeah, I can. And so earlier this year, I went back to handstand club and then I've joined this club about, it's all about doing the splits. And so bit by bit, I'm getting back into my gymnastics practice. And I never thought I'd do that again, but that was as a kid. And here I am bouncing about thinking about it. Like that. I loved it. And this is, this is the point. It's you don't, and it's not just thinking back to recent history, think back to when you were a kid, like what were the things that you did? Um, Sam, you're getting back into, well, not getting back into, you found bouldering, haven't you? I'm actually? mad into bouldering now. I'm always up a wall, but <laughs> it's interesting because I had this realization of, I was sitting there reflecting. I was like, what is it about like bouldering? Why do I, why am I so into this? And then for me, it was just so related to skating. You know, skating was like high level problem solving in the moment tricks you know there was a kind of like very kind of like you do this and then you do this and then you do this community kind of like a subculture attached to it the and like I, and I stepped there we go I always say this with apparel <laughs> and I walked into the bouldering center and I just knew instantly I was like ah, I should have done this two years ago when I should but I could have if I'd have engaged with this two years ago when I got had the initial I think I should try that um you know I'd have been doing it but it's it's amazing and it really is different things for different people some people are like there is no way I'm going to climb a wall, mate. <laughs> that's, that's madness. But, you know, all these things, it's really surprising. Like I, when I think about the weekend of like setting up the lounge with the Christmas tree and the candles and like getting all, is it Higge? I don't know how you say it, getting all like Scandi about it and like oh, bringing yes. in all these things that fills me with joy. The idea mm. of that, like putting whatever music on being there with, with my partner, Robin, and just, being in the smells and the, and the change of the seasons. And, and like, do you know what? Like previously that, that weekend would have been like, well, what, how am I going to get blitzed? Like what, what wine's going to be there? And now it's like that the joy is in all of the elements of it. And 
one thing I've really noticed and I would encourage people to do is be intentional about your time as well. Like I sometimes just get carried away in the day and then I'm like, hang on a minute, dude, just go and just light some candles, go and chill out, go and like sit and do something that lights you up that you know is good. But for me personally, I find it works well to be intentional about that each week. I have specific time, which is really important for me. And I know I'm going to do those things because otherwise I get carried away and I, and I forget to do them. Um, so that's a, that's, so it seems like a tiny thing, but it's huge. Particularly if you're somebody that gets, if you're working at home and you're getting caught up and there's no like boundaries between work life and home life and all those things, like put them in, like literally set them. Um, and bookend your day with things that really fill you up. Yeah. And I want to just kind of name a little bit what's happening here physiologically because you both have spoken to it. So it's not just this idea of like, Oh, I've got to add something to my to-do list. It's not that at all, but, but Sam spoke to it. I want to really kind of language it of, you know, Sam, when you're kind of decorated for Christmas and lighting the candles and there's this joy or you're bouldering or, you know, Ellie, you're doing the handstands what's happening is it's a way to shift off one track to another track. Mm -hmm. And that's the point, because like you're saying, Sam, you go through the day and it's just a constant and accumulate, you know, all this stuff is coming in and we need to step off that track because that we get activated, we get filled up. We, um, we need to discharge. And you said, you know, the, the other option years ago would have been to just get blitzed and to drink, but that's another way to step off the track. So we need it. We, the psyche, the mind, the body, you know, it's like work and money and relationships and, and whatever. We need to derail for a minute. And if we, that, so these things are conscious derailment. We need them you, and full permission. We, we have, we need to do them because, you know, unconscious derailment is drinking, smoking, overeating, overspending, all of that. We, it derails us. And so we're going to do it conscious or unconscious. And so this, you know, the point of this is not adding to the to-do list. The point is to be conscious about what you're going to derail with, because we all need, we all need to step off our track. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Something that just occurred to me as well, whilst we were talking and getting all excited about the things that we do, one of the things that has been massively helpful to me but I would have sworn that though it, like it wouldn't have been a match for me. And this, this came from uh, training with you, Jolene, was I was in, the, through your training, was introduced to the Wim Hof method. And this whole idea of, like, I love being warm. The whole idea of stepping into anything cold, I would have categorically said, no way would I like that whatsoever. And if I had listened to that voice and never tried it, I wouldn't have had the experience I've now had. So I think there is an element of being willing to be wrong about things and to try really different things or things that you think that you won't like. Because my experience with that, and I'm just about to um, go to a workshop to jump into the ice bath, the full ice bath, like I'm, I'm so bloody excited about it, but just even just having the cold showers every day, like the difference it makes is astounding. And I've passed that on to clients. I've suggested to certain clients to do it. And some of them have recoiled in horror, but then still gone and tried it. And it's made such a difference. So you just, I think there's an element of suspending judgment because you just never know if something's going to be for you or not. 
Yeah, so, you know, the Wim Hof work is uh, very connected with the polyvagal nerve, so cold exposure. Um, and even just putting your face in like a bowl of, of cold water up to your hairline, that can help tone the polyvagal nerve. But what's happening when we get in a cold shower or cold water is it tones and, and regulates the polyvagal nerve, just like the VU, the vibration. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's many kind of of these, this is where the rubber meets the road with many of these wellness pieces. Again, they're not just trendy on Instagram or like you should do it. There's a real physiological mechanism that happens specifically with the nervous system. Um, and then the piece that you're speaking to Ellie about, uh, you know, trying things on, on one level, um, I have real compassion because it's very understandable when we're in a immobilized state or a fight state, it's a protective state. And so sometimes things like cold water, when, when that's our home away from home to be more in that collapsed, immobilized, protective state, getting into cold water is the, I mean, the body's trying to protect us. So that's then the power of starting to notice our body and notice what can soothe us and you know, bring us back to a place where we're not in a constant fight, flee, immobilized state. And there's huge um, power in, you know, for me, this whole work is just curiosity yeah. because we don't know where the resonance is or that biochemical match until we actually try it. That's the somatic experiencing. Soma means body. So the body has to experience it. We can talk about it and think about it, um, but we're not going to know if there's a biochemical match and that can go with anything. It can be going into a community like a recovery community. It can be doing, you know, cold water therapy. It could be um, trying certain foods and there can be that initial kind of resistance. And we want to be sensitive to that because are we in a protective mechanism? Let's, you know, talk through that a bit, but also really this somatic work is the body has to experience it. And so mm -hmm. if it feels safe and within, you know, available to experience some of these things, I really encourage people because that's part of this, what we're unwinding here is being in such a protective kind of closed in state. That's part of the drinking piece mm. to it as well. It reminds me, it's strange, like that feeling of like living in the experience of our thinking. So if we're going towards that social event and we're, we have a story about it and we're feeling the kind of like thoughts looping on that. Um, and then if we can leave that, or move through that and then we get to the event we have this amazing time and it's kind of the same thing of like actually the fact that you it doesn't mean anything really the, the story that you're telling yourself about that thing because often it's like well I'm going to be uncomfortable like surely I'm not going to enjoy that because it's going to make me feel bad when actually a lot of these things it's very natural for us humans to get to you know if you think back Again, to primal times, getting cold, getting hot, get, you know, running outside, being in the, all these things are like, you know, the kind of the natural stresses and strains of life are actually quite healing. Like many of the things in nutrition and in food are good for us because they're actually slightly not good for us. And it's the compensatory mechanisms in our body that make us feel good. And, you know, so it's interesting that we've kind of sanitized a lot of the world around ourselves both literally and, and sort of figuratively and so actually to bring a little bit of sort of controlled stress back in be it via cold or be it via heat or be it via you know pushing yourself out your comfort zone in whatever way can be incredibly healing which is 
totally counter the, to the story that most of us have in our head. So that's the like suspending judgment thing, isn't it? And, and having a bit of a leap of faith. And the same is true of like being convinced of what a sober life is going to be like or, or an alcohol free life. We don't know what success looks like. So we have a story about it when actually once you make the jump and you're in it and you're experiencing it, you're like, oh, my God, how is it so good over here? Like if, if, I, if I'd have known this 15 years ago, I would have made this decision so much sooner. Right. But anyway, yeah, just interesting how how that pattern plays out for for most of it over and over and over again that's what it is to be human a lot of the time that's exactly it sam and exercise is is a initial stress on the body but then it has that positive result so there's always that threshold of where can we kind of you know what's available to us and what's because again ultimately we want to be safe but things like cold and exercise and that's exactly it. it it pushes that zone of resilience which gives us the agency to, you know, to really thrive. And, um, and, you know, I talk with clients about this all the time. It's, it's a huge part of the coaching of going into social events, you know, some firsts as you guys, you know, do as well. And we can talk about it and we can think about it and turn it over. This goes back to the very beginning mentally and nothing changes, but clients go into the, the social situation and now they've had the experience and that imprints physiologically on their nervous system. And they come out saying, I actually had fun. Like, I can't mm-hmm. believe this. It wasn't anything like what I anticipated mentally it was going to be. But again, it's that experience. So some of it's eating food, some of it's certain foods, some of it's breath work, some of it's literally going into social situations, but all of it is the body is having an actual experience. We're not talking about it and thinking about it. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing it. Mm-hmm. That's what changes things. An insight. Yeah. Mm. Powerful. So the the last kind of area I wanted to get into was so th- this is this episode's gonna air right before Christmas. And so we're we're just about to head towards Thanksgiving and the holidays. And so what we'd really like to be able to offer people, uh, some some of your favorite practices, Jolene, for this sort of this time of year, this busy, but wonderful time of year. So what, what have you got to offer people? One thing that is, has been interesting to me of many, many things is the seasonal cycles. This is the noticing nature aspect. And so the winter season, we enter that technically on December 21st, and we're in that for three months. So when this airs, we'll be right in the thick of it. Um, it's the darker, colder, time for those of us, you know, in the UK and in the US. And, um, and so there, there's a rhythm um, that our bodies are really slowing down. And then the juxtapose of that is, you know, externally, there's all this frenzy and the holidays and, and that type of thing. But my, my suggestion would be um, to know that, that nature is in a real hibernation, slowing down, regenerating time. And to give yourself permission to, I mean, of course there's holidays and family and, and that type of thing, but, um, but to note, notice where you can add in a little bit of rest. And it might just be, you know, going to bed a half an hour earlier during, during the season or making a very kind of intentional pause. Um, and there's also this 24 hour kind of biorhythm cycle. So once it starts to get dark, and it's earlier and earlier, right at this time of year. I know I was in the UK one time in December, January. It's like by 3.30 in the afternoon. It's, yep. it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not far from it. Now. Yeah. 
And so we, we you know, our brain goes on light and dark cycles. And so however, um, you know, anyone listening can, can just bring in a bit of a pause and intentional practice. It doesn't have to be, you know, this big production, but to start to think about that through December and January of being very intentional. Um, Sam, you mentioned sleep um, and rest. And again, it's, it, it takes some, some effort because the world around us is busy and in a frenzy. But my suggestion would be um, pause because the more we go against our innate kind of biorhythm, then the more that we're out of alignment and dysregulated. So rest, pause, intentional sleep can be really powerful. And when we rest and when we sleep, that's when we build our neurotransmitters. Sleep is amazing incredibly regenerative um but even just something like a yoga nidra or you know mm. ellie you mentioned like restorative yoga um or just sitting in the closet or your car and doing vu for three minutes <laughs> like just something mm. to let your system settle and rest and have fun with it get curious about it there's many options um notice what might pop into mind or might you know it's going to be different for everybody. It, it shouldn't feel like drudgery or like, oh, I have to do this, but it mm -hmm. should feel like permission. And, oh, I get to rest yeah. during this time of the year. One thing I've been doing more and more as I go into this journey is just sitting on the sofa with a cup of tea and looking out the window and watching the trees move. Beautiful. And like, I don't actually have a telly in my house. Like me and my partner, we don't have one. And I don't think we ever will. Um, it's just not needed. Like if we want to watch something, we'll, we'll get the laptop and watch something that intentionally watch something documentary or whatever. Um, but that's really hard for people. <laughs> My dad, bless him. Sorry, dad, if you're tuning in, he can't not do something. He is literally goes, you can see him. It's like, as soon as he's the being element, you know, it's like that whole um, Dalai Lama thing where human beings, not human doings, but so we're so used to doing and doing and doing all the time that sometimes just practice. And it is a practice again, we actually have to learn how to rest. We actually have to learn, not not rest as in like um, sit and flick the telly on, but actually just sort of sit and truly just come into ourselves and sit there and be in that kind of state. And we don't have to meditate. We don't have to. We don't have to do anything. But that's that's a practice. That's something we have to remember. I don't. I don't think it's something we have to learn. Actually, it's something we have to remember how to do. Mm. And full permission that it can be thirty seconds. Yeah. Mm. Because it can be hard to, you know, a big period of just stopping. So 30 seconds and like the four, seven, eight breath where you inhale mm -hmm. for the count of four, you hold for the count of seven, exhale for the count of eight, do three or four rounds of that, which can take 30 seconds, maybe a minute and a half. And then, so again, it doesn't have to be this big two hour thing where you can't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Just give yourself permission, little, you know, one little small chunk once a day for 30 seconds doing that consistently uh, can bring a lot of benefit. Yeah. And, and you, you really know it when you find the thing, you really know it. I, I love yoga Nidra and I found um, a new teacher and this practice is just, it's just divine. And I've been doing it every night, right, right before sleep. And the thing that occurred to me this week was like, I was kind of like skipping upstairs, ready, <laughs> ready to do my practice. And it felt like I was headed towards pure indulgence. And that, and what, what is that? that? That is this reward at the end of the day that previously was wine. Wine was a reward. And of course it wasn't, and we know how that works out. But to, to I, I, I wanna give hope to people that are 
mm. in that place where they are quite um, understandably using alcohol as a means of regulation. You can find these things and it feels so much better and it's so much more nourishing and healthy and it it endures and it might change over time and you might like in that case go go from one teacher to another but it's just it feels so bloody good it doesn't feed on itself it doesn't create then you're doing it with intention because it's filling your cup up it's not this cyclical thing where it empties your cup then you pull it and then it empties it and it's you know to step out of that and have truly nourishing habits like you're talking about Mm. it's wonderful isn't it it's so lovely well, and this is an important point too, to your question of kind of being intentional about this time of year or the Christmas season. Um, a, a real kind of concrete thing to think about too is what is it that's malnourished? What is it that, that you're needing? Is it quiet solitude? Is it connection? Um, is it a creative kind of a fun adventure outlet? Is it more, is it intimacy? Um, so and, and, and we, we, is it just that relaxation, just letting the mind completely kind of shut down and turn off yet we're awake. And those are all the things we use alcohol for, and they're completely legitimate. They're valid. They're real. We need connection or solitude or intimacy or relaxation. So full permission to just be really honest about what am I needing? And, and when we, you know, feel the ground under our feet, kind of, notice what's clenched in our body or isn't and just notice our body for a minute it can be a little easier than to access what's missing and it changes day to day hour to hour sometimes we need connection sometimes we need solitude Mm -hmm. but when you know what you're needing and we've been using alcohol to try to you know put put that in then we can get more curious and um, opportunities come to us about what would be some ways to connect? What would be some ways to invoke solitude? Because there's not just one way for any of these things. Mm-hmm. So be be intentional about what it is that's that's missing and what's needed and full permission to add those things into your life. Mm. Oh God, it's so helpful. I love listening to you talk, Jolene. You're so bloody wise. Um, I Last question for you is, and, and we may have answered this with doing the VU, but what, what's the most, so in all of your um, experience that you've amassed so far, what's the most interesting slash surprising practice that you've come across? Oh, you know, they're always changing for me. And it, it really is kind of where I am in my life, what's happening for me as, as I change and grow. Um, the VU right now is one of my favorites. Um, being barefoot on the earth, I have intentionally moved from Colorado to South Carolina, um, where I'm right next to the Atlantic Ocean, because um, mm. I need, mm-hmm. I need the ocean. <laughs> I feel mm. much better here. So it was an intentional move. Um, and the, this cyclical rhythm of, um, you know, the biorhythms kind of of the day of, of the season that has been really impactful to me. And I, I didn't know about that seven years ago when I quit drinking. And I'm, I'm very, very interested in, in those rhythms and, and kind of honoring, you know, that of like, okay, we're going into a winter time, being really intentional about my restorative, um, restful practices. And, and so I think those are kind of, those are some key things. Breath work, I, I didn't do um, 
much breath work also, you know, early on when I quit drinking, it was much more of the kind of nutrition side of things. And it's evolved more into kind of the regulating practices. Nutrition's still really huge for me, but I would say those are kind of four, four top things just mm. personally in this moment. And the, 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 uh, the seasonality stuff is really interesting. I remember saying to you that uh, one of your, so I'm on, on your email list and you need to get on Jolene's email list if you're not. Uh, you sent out a, a newsletter a little while ago and it was when we were heading into the fall, into the autumn. And there were just, you laid out some really beautiful practices, things that people could try. And it's, and when you read it, it's like, oh God, that sounds amazing. And it, and it just makes so much sense because it is, you know, naturally it, it aligns. So I think absolutely for, um, you know, we'll put all of your links and bits and pieces so people can find you, Jolene, at the, on the show notes, but what, where would you like to direct people to? And, and also I think it would be a good spot to t- also talk about your coach training because you've got another cohort coming up, haven't you? I do. Yeah. So everything, thanks Ellie. Everything is on grayareadrinkers.com. I I have, you know, my blog there, my link to Instagram, my Ted talk, uh, coaching one-on-one if you're interested and, you know, the coaches who have gone through my, my training and then the application for my next coach training, it'll be the ninth time. I'm going into my fourth year of of teaching teaching this. So I, I train other certified coaches and licensed practitioners who, who want to really learn the, the nuance and the specifics around the somatic work, the nervous system work, the nutrition, specifically working with gray area drinking clients. So it's a seven week uh, training cohort and the next one begins January 24th. So if anyone's interested, you can go to grayareadrinkers.com and apply um but all the info you know my work how to get a hold of me is is there on the website mm, thank you and and you know I've, i'm sure we've already said this but your your training was just so uh, it, was, it was a wonderful thing to go through personally for your own experience personal development and growth but what it's allowed me to bring to my clients it's it's just phenomenal. I think I, was, I said before we were recording this, like I, I felt like when I started out in my coaching practice, I felt very confident in what I was doing, but being able to go through your training, it just opened up something else entirely. And, and I could, I was early enough on that I could change my offering and have it much more aligned to what felt true to me and helpful to me and it works it really works and to see so many satisfied clients go through that so you know I'm, I'm indebted to you Jolene like I, I absolutely loved your training it was phenomenal and to you know to see all of the testimonials that you'll see on my website on my social media that's as a result of learning from you so so thank you yeah. And uh, it's crazy because, you know, I know we were talking about this before, but thank you, because the only reason we're recording this is because, you know, me and Ellie basically met on the pod, um, met on your training. It's interesting because we haven't met in the per- in, in person yet. We still, when this airs, yeah. still won't have met in person. <laughs> but, you know, the whole premise of this show is present and sober. So the whole thing is like, it's really crazy that our things kind of like separately put together represent 
all of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, the somatic work and the mind work. And it was kind of like the missing link that we felt like you were talking about that earlier. And um, so passionate about that and making, you know, helping people make their lives bigger. And um, such a huge part of that is like learning, you know, all of these, all of these different things and learning that we're all different. So thank you very much. Like it's, Mm -hmm. It's a real, uh, it's amazing to have you here and, and like how, how cool that, uh, though this has been sparked from all of that, that training and amazing, like energy that went into that and it's filtering out into, into other people too. So thank you. I love knowing that. Thank you guys. And I love that you both met and, and have continued on, you know, this last year, what you two have created and, and built together and are continuing with your momentum. So it's, um, it's just such an honor to to watch everyone grow and build from the training i loved having you guys i was so, so glad you were in that cohort that was magical thank you so much and we really appreciate your time today it's been it's been so much in this episode i know it's going to be um i always call them a belter it's going to be a belter this one and we'll get loads and loads and loads of comments about it and again it's just wonderful to see how it how it touches people and how it can, you know, even even just something small that somebody picks up from this episode, it will have the potential to to change their direction or change their lives. So thank you so much for being with us, Jolene. Thank you guys and happy, happy holidays and happy rejuvenating rest for you during yes. this season with all the hard work you you both have done. <laughs> yes, right. Merry Christmas. We better say Merry Christmas, Christmas yeah. Feels it's a bit weird. weird at this time, but it is. It will be Christmas. <laughs> Right, I'm just going to hit that big uh, square button. Well, there we have it. Awesome. So many wicked things. It always is when you talk to Jolene. So many like awesome things that you can pull out that you can just start using straight away. Um, and, you know, Jolene's whole thing is about nourishing yourself. And uh, if you're at the point in, in in your journey where you would like to help others learn how to do that, then absolutely go and have a look at Jolene's coach training and see if you resonate with with her message it was an amazing thing for me and Ellie and uh, it comes highly recommended from us Um, and you know otherwise if you're in a totally different place in your journey and you just really connected with Jolene's stuff make sure to go check out her TED talk and go and have a look at the just an exploration about how to help yourself get back to to baseline to know that you're feeling good just for feeling good and uh, supporting ourselves to do that from the somatic from the body piece is really important awesome if you haven't already go and have a look at the live alcohol experiment that's rocking and rolling in january me and ellie are both going to be there the best 47 dollars you will ever spend on yourself in terms of just wherever you are in the journey just figuring out some stuff um, on the way to taking your power back from alcohol so yep go check out um all that stuff and i we just wish you a really happy festive season and uh we'll see you next tuesday <laughs>